0: From the hallowed hallways of Shedd High School, from WSHDLP Eastport, this is Around the World with your host, Cracklin' Jane, from Eastport, Maine. Stay tuned for historical 78 RPM recordings from around the world. Hear ye! Her Majesty the Grand Empress hath commanded a concert performance of the marching bands of the Empire. Uh, yes, Roy, and the inhabitants of the Empire are assembling for this gala occasion, pouring into the sublime and stately concert hall of the realm. Her Majesty wants to learn to differentiate a flute from a trombone. And hence all musical selections for today's recital will showcase an individual instrument. Yeah, and Her Majesty's advisors will whisper in her ear about what she is hearing. Now all stand as her august presence enters the hall with her entourage. And they're taking their places in the center about halfway back. Her Majesty's long train is being draped around her as she settles into the red plush armchair. That's right, Roy. Her Majesty's train engineer has provided many years of service, arranging her a drapery just so. The first instrument showcased for this command performance will be the bassoon, a double reed instrument with a deep sound that comes in six sections and is about four and a half feet long. And Her Majesty is indicating that she is ready for the concert to commence. Yes, here is Eddie Stone and his 1938 orchestra with a burping bassoon played by Stuart McKay. Her Majesty appears pleased, wouldn't you say, Rex? Ah, uh, yes, Roy, we just heard a demonstration of the bassoon, played by Stuart McKay, who was assisted by Eddie Stone and his orchestra, the piece entitled Burping Bassoon. I see they're bringing Mr. McKay up to Her Majesty so she can see the bassoon up close and he's making a low bow to her eminence. If you're just joining us, Her Majesty the Empress has commanded a performance of works that showcase individual instruments in the royal marching bands. And, uh, which instrument is next? Mr. Benny Goodman will provide the demonstration of the clarinet. And he has chosen his 1941 composition, Clarinet a la King. Now, that's another member of the Woodwind family, isn't it? Yes, only this one has a single reed and has its origins in ancient Egypt. And Her Majesty the Empress is giving a slight nod to Mr. Goodman. Here is Clarinet a la King. Welcome back to the Grand Empress's Command Performance, in which instruments from Her Majesty's marching band are individually showcased. We just heard two works extolling the clarinet. That's correct, Roy. First, Benny Goodman played the 1941 clarinet a la King. Maybe you should have called it clarinet a la Queen, (laughs) under the circumstances. Uh And then we heard a conglomeration of instruments, each doing their own thing at the same time, in a 1918 composition entitled Clarinet Marmalade Blues featuring the original Dixieland Jazz Band. Uh, Mr. Goodman and the other clarinetists are now approaching her most supreme Royal Highness with their clarinets while the next group sets up, which looks like a whole bunch of percussion instruments. All kinds of different drums and cowbells and anything you could bang on. The first percussion exhibition for Her Majesty will feature the 1935 California Ramblers. When gimbal hits the cymbal,
1: me piano can play that piano when gimbal hits the cymbal. Oh that drummer is a bummer and he's dumber than a plumber but he's a hit up in the Catskills every single spring and summer you've heard Mr. Ricky when he plays on his clarinicky well Mr. Ricky can play that
2: ditty when gimbal
0: 1935 California Ramblers played When Gimbal Hits the cymbal, which also featured expositions of saxophone, piano and clarinet. Yeah, four for the price of one. Then Her Majesty was treated to a drum solo backed up by a 1908 band with James I. Lent as the ragtime drummer. The performers are now lining up to be acknowledged by her royal eminence. Each will receive an order of the Golden Fleece, A high honor and more percussion demonstrations are on the way for Her Serene Highness. A lot of cool instruments are under the percussion umbrella. Here is Joe Daniels and his 1936 Hot Shots in Drumnastics. Drummer goes to town.
2: This is where I I can
0: listening to WSHDLP Eastport. We are broadcasting from the command performance ordered by Her Supreme Royal Highness the Empress, who is unparalleled in supremehood. The drummers from the last two works are now granted a short audience with her eminence. They include Lionel Hampton, who performed the 1937 Drum Stomp, and in addition Joe Daniel and his 1936 Hot Shots in Drumnastics who gave us Drummer Goes to Town. They are being inducted into the august order of the Golden Fleece, which they may wear on their sash at state occasions. Or on Halloween. And uh, there appears to be a slight delay. Uh, yes, Her Majesty is ready to hear the tuba. But uh, Roy, where, where's the tuba player? He's not stepping out onto the stage. I think we're going to move on to the flute. The the flute is a woodwind instrument, even though it's made out of metal. It used to be wood in the olden days. S.E. Morales and his 1948 orchestra will now demonstrate the flute in a piece called Flute Lament. Flute Lament, a 1948 piece showcasing the flute for Her Royal Highness's command performance. Yes, her eminence wanted to hear individual instruments of the royal marching bands showcased one by one so that she could recognize and honor each of the solo musicians, plus learn a little something about each instrument. We're still waiting for the tuba player to show up. He's still not in the building. Thus we move on to the oboe, which will be played by Mitch Miller. Another double reed woodwind instrument. Kind of looks like a clarinet. Here is Mitch Miller with Machito and his Afro-Cuban orchestra with the 1951 Obo mambo. <laughs> It was the 1941 saxophone shottish, performed by the Whoopi John Polka Band, who came in from the countryside for Her Majesty's Domains, before which Mitch Miller showcased the oboe, soaring over Machito and his 1951 Afro-Cuban orchestra with oboe mambo. And a search party has gone out for the missing tuba soloists. They're scouring the library, the woods, and the new small-town takeout restaurant, and we're going to move forward with the trombone, that brass instrument with the sliding sound. We'll hear Souza's band with a 1902 favorite, trombone sneeze. <laughs> was so moved by what we just heard that she called for the gentleman of the purse, whose sole function is to carry her eminence's handbag and fetch a hanky to dab the royal eyes. Bessie Smith and her blue boys tore up the scenery with a 1925 trombone cholly. And before them, Sousa's band played trombone sneeze, which caused some royal laughter. If you're just joining us, we are broadcasting from the Royal Command Performance, ordered by Her Highness the Supreme Empress, to showcase the individual instruments from the Royal Marching Bands. We heard exhibited bassoon, clarinet, flute, trombone, oodles of percussion instruments... You forgot oboe! And we were supposed to hear tuba, but where's the tuba player? Somebody is going to be less than pleased. Okay, well, next we'll hear the trumpet. Donald Lindley is taking the stage and signaling to the piano that he's ready to perform trumpet blues from 1925. White trumpet featuring Ambrose in his 1937 orchestra. And before that we heard Donald Lindley with the trumpet blues. Her Royal Highness is indicating that she won't wait no longer for the tuba player. I guess when she wants to hear the tuba, she wants to hear the tuba. Well, I don't blame her, but but wait. The four revelers are stepping up. They have agreed to sing like a tuba. Yes. They're going to sing the 1931, when Yuba plays the rumba on the tuba.
3: His name was Yuba. He was homely, he was dumb. And so was Yuba. Just a big ambitious bum. He wouldn't do it. So much as chew a piece of gum, so this is news to me. Padupa dopa dopa dopa. I understand. He's an overnight success. He's in demand. And you never could have guessed. Well he found a big base tuba. Then he bummed his way to Cuba. And the rest. And the rest is history. Down in Havana, there's a funny-looking booba. He plays the rumba on the tuba down in Cuba. Oh, any sap sell an apple, but this chap would rather grapple. With his oompa, oompa, oompa. They prefer it to a boopa-doopa-doopa. they love the rumba on the tuba down in Cuba. Oh. Oop, 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 oop. It doesn't take him very long to get a tumble. For all the rumba-lovers going to their rumble. Oh how, oh, how I'd, I'd like to, to be, be his double For without a bit of trouble With his oompa, oompa, oompa He can knock eleven ladies for a looper um, um. They love a rumble on the tuba down in Cuba ah. um, He's not a green um, horn. Um, He blows a mean um, horn I um, must-be-seen um, horn. Oh, he's a wiz. Oh, he's a wiz. Oh, he's a wiz. Oh, he's a wiz. Why all Havana loves this funny looking booba. Who plays the rumba, rumba on, on the tuba, tuba down in Cuba. I, I can't, can't believe, believe it, it, but they tell us every peanut vendor's jealous. Oh, be's oompa, oompa, oompa. They prefer it to the boopa, doopa, doopa. doo-pa. Um, um. They love the rumba on the tuba down in Cuba. Tina. You have no peanut butter fellas. Oompa 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 doompa doompa You make a peanut pen and jealous He blows a
4: mean up, 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 horn up. He's not a green up, 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 horn up, 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 up. I must be seeing horn up, 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 up,
3: up. Oh he's a wheel Oh my god I love this funny looking booba he plays the rumba on the tuba down in Cuba. He's getting wealthy, strong and hearty thanks to plenty, good luck, hardy. And his oompa, oompa, oompa. Oh, he knocked a poopa doopa for a loopa. Oompa, oom. he the rumba on the tuba down in Cuba. Oom-oom. He knocks. He'll rumba, rumba on, on the, the tuba, tuba down, the down in Cuba. he his oompa, 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 oompa. Oompa, oompa. Oompa.
5: La tuba no tiene que mucho ritmo pa' bailar, pero yo que la conozco ahí lo que la tuba da. Si la baila sin cuoros y antorondeo oh, pascual, que se le rompen las rodillas de la gana.
0: Stand ins for our missing tuba player. What do you suppose became of that guy? Since he seems to have gone AWOL, the 1931 Revelers stepped up to sing Like a Tuba to give Her Majesty a sense of what one sounds like. They performed when Yuba plays the rumba on the tuba. Then Pepito Arvelo's rumba boys entreated the tuba player to show up in Sonanda La Tuba playing the tuba. He is going to kick himself when he realizes he missed out on becoming an Order of the Golden Fleece bestowed by Her Majesty herself. Well, I see Her Majesty the Grand Empress has placed her handbag up on her lap, signaling that she will listen to one more instrument and then call a close to this command performance. Uh, Which will it be? Uh, Harry Robin is going to demonstrate the xylophone which consists of wooden bars arranged like the keys of a piano and hit with mallets. Jack Hilton and his 1930 orchestra will be assisting Harry as he plays Xylophone Stampede. And thus ends Her Supreme Royal Highness, the Most High Serene Empress's command performance, featuring individual instruments of Her Majesty's marching bands. We ended with Mr. Harry Robin demonstrating the xylophone. Jack Hilton and his orchestra laid it down for Harry in a 1930 xylophone stampede. Yes, Her Majesty was greatly pleased to learn more about the bassoon, the trombone, trumpet, clarinet, oboe, flute, and various percussion instruments and her strong desire to edify herself about the tuba was thwarted by a failure of the tuba player to appear. A search party located the mortified musician working a jigsaw puzzle which had caused him to lose track of the time. He has promised to provide background music for the royal dinner, the combination lunch and dinner Her Majesty likes to partake of at 2 p.m. This is Round the World. Please grace us with your presence at cracklinjane.com. We pause now for station identification. You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. And welcome to our 2 of Round the World with Cracklin Jane. Now, speaking of the concert stage, Jack Benny and Oscar Levant prepare for Carnegie Hall in this 1943 episode of the Jack Benny Show. So let's listen.
1: The Grapes, Plakes program coming to you from New York City, where we're playing to an audience of men on leave from the armed services and starring Jack Benny with Mary Livingston, Dennis Day Rochester, yours truly, Don Wilson, and our guest conductor, Abe Lyman. and gentlemen for the most fantastic introduction of the year fantastic i bring you a famous concert violinist who is making his debut this evening at carnegie hall
2: jack benny
1: Thank you, thank you. Hello again. This is Jack Yasha Benny talking. (laughs) And folks, I'm as nervous as a pizzicato. (laughs) And Don, that's the truth. I am playing my violin at Carnegie Hall tonight. But Jack, it's so fantastic. Will you stop saying that? This is a benefit for the Infantile Paralysis Fund, and I'm appearing as a soloist on the same program with Gladys Swarthout, Isaac Stern, Marjorie Lawrence, John Charles, and Thomas. And, uh... That's John Charles Thomas. It's one man. It is? Gosh, I... I said all three of them Christmas cards.
4: <laughs> anyway, there, are
1: uh, There's gonna be a lot more prominent artists there, including Oscar Levant. He's going to be my accompanist. I expect him to drop by and pick me up. Well,
2: Jack, aren't you just a bit
1: nervous appearing with so many musical celebrities? No, why should I be nervous? We all get along fine. I'm very nice to them, and they don't speak to me. (laughs) That is all but Gladys. Uh, Gladys, she thinks my playing is marvelous. Gladys Swarthout? No, Gladys Jones, her maid. (laughs) She's a cousin of Mm
3: Rochester's.
6: Oh, hello, Mary. Hello, Jack. Why don't you grow up?
1: what do you mean, why don't I grow up?
6: Well, I passed Carnegie Hall just now. And what's the idea of writing your name on all the posters?
1: I didn't write my name. It's printed. You know, I'm uh, making my debut there tonight.
6: Gee where's?
1: Just think, my first appearance on the concert stage.
6: Gosh.
1: Too bad my old violin teacher can't be there.
6: Too bad he shot himself during your fifth lesson.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll never forget that afternoon. I was right in the middle of da 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 de, da, de, da, de, da 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 de, da 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 da
4: da
1: da 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 By the way, Mary, you're attending the concert tonight, aren't you? Uh,
6: who else is appearing?
1: Well, there's Gladys Jones. I mean, Swarthout. (laughs) Isaac Stern, John Charles Thomas.
6: John Charles Thomas. Yeah. You know, Jack, that always sounds funny to me, a man with three first names.
1: Yep, John Charles Thomas. Incidentally, it's not commonly known, but I have three first names, too.
6: That's right, Jack Jerk Benny. (laughs)
1: Jack John Benny. And speaking of unusual names, oh, say, Don. Yes, Jack. Come here a minute. This will kill you. What do you think, this will positively amaze you, but it's the truth, you know. What do you think Fred Allen's middle name is? What? Florence. (laughs) Fred Florence Allen, imagine. (laughs)
2: Well, why in the world did his
1: parents ever name him Florence? Well, I'll give you a hint, Don. Allen didn't shave until he was 33 years old. (laughs) In fact, he he still wears his garters above his knees. (laughs) Hey, Mervyn, Doris is in the audience. <laughs> no kidding, yes.
6: You should talk about Alan. I saw a picture of you when you were 15 years old and you were playing with dolls.
1: Well, I still have a couple of dolls on my lap now and then, sister.
6: <laughs> They're still full of sawdust too. Well,
1: that's the cattiest remark I've ever heard.
6: Uh, speaking of cats, whatever became of that girl you were engaged to? Speaking of
1: cats, what girl?
6: Uh, the one with the big grin and the whiskers.
1: Now, cut that out. You're having a jolly time tonight, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Say, Mr. Benny, is it all right if I take my girl to Oh, your... hello. Hello, Dennis. Hello. Uh, what did you want, kid? I said, is it all right if I take my girl to your concert at Carnegie Hall? Well, sure, Dennis. Is she a music lover? Is she? She's got a
7: short thumb from pushing nickels in (laughs) jukeboxes.
1: Well, she... (laughs) Well, she... (laughs) She does like music. Uh, Where does your girlfriend live, Dennis? If I knew where she lived, I wouldn't be wasting my time at a concert. (laughs) Well, you'll enjoy it, Dennis. There are a lot of great artists on the program. There's uh, Jean Pierce, uh, Ezio Pinza, Joseph and Rosina Levine, Deans Taylor... Yeah, and don't forget John Charles and Thomas.
2: Uh, oh, wait a minute.
1: I, I made that same mistake. It's John Charles Thomas, Dennis. Holy smoke, has he got four names? Dennis is you.
7: Oh.
2: In the blue you. suit here. What? In the blue suit here. Yes, yes. <laughs>
1: well, kid. <laughs> oh, brother. <laughs> Well, kid, uh, speaking of John, Charles, and Thomas, uh, how about a song from you, huh? Okay, but I'll never top him. So what? For heaven's sake, I don't expect to top Heifetz.
6: Aw, Jack, you're just being modest. You're as good as Heifetz any day. What? You don't think they'd let you play in Carnegie Hall unless you were one of the world's greatest violinists.
1: Well, that's a lovely compliment. Thanks,
6: Mary. You're welcome, it also says here.
1: Don't spoil it. You always have to do that. Huh? Well, I don't know about anyone else, but personally, I think Mr. Benny is one of the finest violinists of this earache. That's era.
4: <laughs>
1: earache. Well, there's two compliments shot, but oh well. <laughs> Sing, Dennis, and let's get on with the show. Huh? Wait a minute. Come in. Telegram for Jack Benny. Take it, Mary. Wait a minute, buddy. Here's a tip for you. Oh, boy. A half a dollar. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hmm.
1: No use waiting. I got to get new glasses.
4: <laughs>
1: who's the uh, Who's the wire from Mary?
6: Uh, it's from your father.
1: Oh, good old dad. Uh, what does he say?
6: Uh, dear son, congratulations on your appearance in Carnegie Hall tonight. Please let me know how your full dress suit goes over. <laughs>
1: he made me a beauty, folks. The tails change color like a peacock. <laughs> uh, sing, Dennis. Well, I'll probably get plugged for this, but I got a cold. All right, do the best you can. What do you care? <laughs> The Picture Powers Girl, sung by Dennis Day. And Dennis, that's one of the numbers you sing in the picture, isn't it? Yes, sir. You ought to see it, Mr. Benny. I play the part
7: of a fellow who has more money than brains.
1: Oh, oh. It's hard to act like you've got money, by golly. <laughs> I, I imagine it is. Oh, hello, Abe. Hiya, Jack. Abe Lyman, fellas. All right, Abe, stop shaking hands over your head like a prize fighter. What a character. Hey, before I forget it, Jack, congratulations. I hear you're going to play at, uh, Canarsie Hall tonight. <laughs> no use talking. Phil Harris is a genius. That's Carnegie Hall on 57th Street. By the way, are you coming to the concert? I'd like to, Jack, but that high music
2: gives me a rash.
1: A what? A rest?
2: Oh. Speaking of highbrow
1: music, Jack, I've written a message which includes the names of various operas concealed in a very clever manner. <laughs> oh, fine. Last week it was birds, now it's operas. Huh? Yeah. Well, now, see if you can pick them out, Jack. The operas?
2: Yes. Oh,
0: go ahead.
1: Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen, the first thing tomorrow morning, mm-hmm. go into your kitchen and have a dish of toasty brown sweet and the nut drape nuts flakes. I know they're good because I eat of them every day. Well, there's Faust and it. Whether you live in a White House, a Red House, or a Tannhauser. Tannhauser? You'll love America's fastest growing flake cereal. So remember, folks, even if you're feeling low you will grin with Grape Nuts Flakes. <laughs> Poor Low and Grin really got dragged in there. But, Don, that was all right. I'll see that you get a raise for that. But, Jack, with the new ceiling on salaries, you can't give raises. Yes, sir. And now, ladies and gentlemen,
4: <laughs>
1: uh, go away, Don, go away. And now, ladies and gentlemen, for our feature attraction this evening, we are going to present a gripping drama of the Old South, entitled... Hey, Mr. Benny, I was out in the hall just now, and there's Oh, a... oh, hello, Dennis. Hello. Say, Mister Benny, I was out in the hall just now. Uh, how are you, after... you feeling, kid? Oh, I was here before, remember? Oh, oh yes, yes, that's right. In the blue suit, I. Uh... Uh, what do you want? Well, there's a man waiting for you out in the hall, and he says for you to hurry up. The man out in the hall? Oh, that must be Oscar Levant. Come on in, Oscar. <laughs> Hello, Jack. Are you all ready? Yes, I'm ready to go. Well, after I see you're prepared to accompany me on the piano tonight. Do you always wear those white gloves? These are my hands. I just came from the blood bank. Oh. <laughs> Very good. I'll have to watch out for this guy. He's sharper than a buck tooth. <laughs>
4: uh, i I'll
1: be through here in a few minutes, Oscar. Then we'll hop in a cab and go over to Carnegie Hall. Just think, Benny and LeVant playing a duet. Let's walk. Maybe we'll get run over before we get there. <laughs> That's all right. I gotta be on my toes, dear. This guy's making a monkey out of
3: me. (laughs)
6: Oh, by the way,
1: Oscar, I think you know everybody here, don't you? Sure. Oh, Mary, didn't I see you at the store club last night?
6: The store club?
1: Yes, you were dancing with that South American.
6: Oh, that was Jack with a black toupee.
4: (laughs) I was in bed
1: by 10 o'clock last night. Although I couldn't sleep, I was so nervous thinking about our concert tonight. You were nervous. My wife had to pull me off the windowsill three times.
4: <laughs>
1: I gotta watch out. He's an ad living fool, you
4: know?
1: <laughs> oh, Oscar, I don't think you know Abe Lyman, our band leader. I've known Abe for years. Sure, we sat together at Reuben's last night. Say, Oscar, you know, that was a pretty good uh, bowl of soup I drank. You didn't drink that soup. You auditioned it.
4: <laughs> <laughs> you
1: beat me to it, Oscar. I was just gonna ad-lib something like that. <laughs> Honest, I was.
6: You couldn't ad-lib it with a nose full
1: of pepper. I couldn't, eh? Well,
6: go ahead and say something. Go ahead, ad-lib. Well? Go ahead, say something funny.
1: Well, uh, well, this seems to be a good time to say hello to my mother.
4: Hello, Mom. <laughs> Well,
1: I could say something funny, but how can I think with that darn Dennis Day standing there staring at me? Well, that sweat rolling down your forehead fascinates
4: me.
1: (laughs) I wasn't thinking that hard. Well, anyway, Oscar, stick around. I'll be with you in a minute. And now, ladies and gentlemen, as I start to announce, we're going to do a satire on one of radio's most intelligent and popular programs. Information, please.
6: Wait a minute. You said we were going to do... Never mind, never
1: mind. And we have prevailed upon Mr. Oscar Levant to come over here this evening and be our guest expert. I come over here to pick you up and take you to Carnegie Hall. Well, for heaven's sake, Oscar, as long as you're here, let's have some fun. It's a small enough favor to ask me after I got you on that concert. You got me on? Yes. You better lay off that Benzedrine, brother. (laughs) All right, be a sport. I certainly can't do a program like Information, Please, with dopes like Abe Lyman and Dennis Day. And you. And me. Now cut that out! (laughs) Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, right after a number by Abe Lyman and his orchestra, we'll present our own version of the... I'll take it, that must be Rochester. I told him to bring my full-dress suit over here.
2: <coughs> Hello? Hello, Mr. Benny, this is Rochester.
1: <laughs> yes, Rochester?
2: I'm just leaving the hotel, boss. I've got your top hat, white tie, and tail. That's tail. Tail! One of them got
1: caught in the elevator. Oh my goodness!
2: Well, I'll, I'll
1: certainly look funny playing my violin in Carnegie Hall with one tail. You might
2: as well face it, boss. You're going to look funny anyway. <laughs>
1: well, that's one of the most careless things I ever heard. I guess I'll have to wear my tuxedo. Your
2: tuxedo?
1: Yes. Did you press it like I told you to?
2: Well, I pressed the code, all right, but I had a long phone call during the pants.
1: (laughs) Oh, so you left the hot iron on my pants. Where'd you burn them?
2: I think the French word is derriere.
1: (laughs) Well, I'll be, well, what am I going to do?
2: I can bring along some black paint.
1: Never mind that, I'll just have to be careful how I take my bow.
2: <laughs> oh, wait a minute,
1: I have another idea. I think I'll wear my blue serge suit.
2: That blue serge is awful shiny, boss. It
1: is not shiny. I
2: wish I had a diamond that threw up a glare like that. <laughs> Look,
1: Rochester, no excuses. You get over here right away with my blue serge suit. Goodbye.
2: Goodbye, boss.
1: Sorry, Oscar, I'll have to wear a blue serge suit tonight. Will that be all right? Sure, I'm wearing a leopard skin myself. (laughs) Very good. What a guy. He's really on the beam. Play, Lima. I Can't Give You Anything But Love. Sorry, Abe, we had to cut this kind of short, but that was I Can't Give You Anything But Love played by Abe Lyman and his Hotel Lincoln Orchestra. (laughs) Hey, that's a good one. Abe at the Lincoln. I don't get it. Who asked you to? Be thankful you got a plug. (laughs) And now, Don, I think it's about time for, uh... Now, who's that? Come in. Yes, sir? Is this the Jack Benny program? I'm supposed to be in your play tonight. Oh, yes, you were going to be the villain. Uh, What's your name? Joe Besser. Messer? No, Besser! (laughs) Oh, what? Well, I'm I'm sorry, Mr. Besser. We're not doing a play this evening.
2: Now, wait a minute. I want to act.
1: All right, calm down. I'll find something for you to do. You better, you old crazy you. <laughs> now sit down, please. <laughs> All right, Don, let's get started. <laughs> and now, folks, we bring you our version of <laughs> information, please, with our noted reconteur, lecturer, and book reviewer of the Breeders Gazette, <laughs> Clifton <laughs> Bennyman. Thank you, Milton Wilson. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure you all know the rules of information, please. I will read several questions submitted by our listeners. And for each question which is not answered by our board of experts, we will give away a page from the Encyclopedia Britannica (laughs) and one grape nut flake. Are the grape nut flakes here, Mr. Wilson? Yes, sir. The registers loaded. Good. Now, I'd like to have you meet our board of experts. First, Mr. Oscar Levant, noted pianist, or pianist. Which is it, Oscar, pianist or pianist? What's the difference? After tonight, I may be washed up.
4: <laughs>
1: I got a lot to this guy. He's a <laughs> dynamite. And next, Miss Mary Livingston, well-known authority on poetry. Have you a
6: sample for us, Miss Livingston? Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. Shining up above so high, don't you know there's a dim out?
4: <laughs> very, very good. And
1: now, Mr. Abe Lyman, noted authority on Shakespeare and literary life. There's a dim out there,
4: too.
1: (laughs) You said it. Mr. Dennis Day, world-famous authority on. On what? And last but not least... (laughs) Sit down, Dennis. Sit down. Mr. Joe Besser, authority on archaeology, ichthyology, and paleontology. Well, get him! (laughs) And now, folks, we will proceed... You old crazy! (laughs) you. (laughs) <laughs> we will proceed with information, please.
4: Our, <laughs>
1: Our first question comes from Miss Bernice Butterball of Baked Potato, Idaho.
4: <laughs>
1: Miss Butterball wants to know if you can name three presidents of the United States whose names begin with W. Well, I see you have your hand raised, Mr. Dave. That nerves, it just blew
4: up! <laughs>
2: Uh, don't you know a
1: president whose name begins with W? Will you give me a hint? Yes, so who was the Washington Monument named after? George Monument.
4: <laughs>
1: That's right, George Monument, Washington. And now let's have another president beginning with W. Wendell Wilkie. <laughs> Wilkie didn't win, Mr. Levan. Well, he's working, that I know. I gotta watch that boy, he's making a straight man out of me. (laughs) And now, second, a president whose name begins with W. I'm waiting. Ah, Mr. Besser, I see you have your hand up.
2: Oh, it's not for that!
1: (laughs) Well, it looks like this butterball has stumped the expert. We are sending her immediately a page from the Encyclopedia Britannica and a grape nut plate. Now here's a letter.
2: Here's a letter.
1: Here's a letter from Doctor Burt Scott of Beverly Hills, California. Doctor Scott is a dentist, and he says, "Dear Mr. Benny." I have written and written, and if you don't remit promptly, I
4: will... Whoops. (laughs) Oh, here's a
1: question for Mr. Joe Jackson of Jackson, Georgia. (laughs) Mr. Jackson wants to know what the following girls have in common. Joan Crawford, Joan Leslie, Joan Bennett, Joan Fontaine... Oh,
4: shut up! Not so (laughs) fast!
1: Pardon me. You should know this, Miss Livingston. What have the following movie stars in common? Joan Crawford, Joan Leslie, Joan Bennett, and Joan Fontaine. None of them will work with you. Oh, that's so. Well, thanks to your levity, Miss Livingstone, we have lost another page from the encyclopedia and a grape-nut plate. Now here, here's a question in your field, Mr. Levant. Incidentally, you haven't gotten anything tonight. You're referring to money, of course. (laughs) I'm referring to answers. Now I'm going to play a musical selection, and I want you to identify the number. The second. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Besser, please. Now, play it again. I'll play it again, Mr. LeMatt, and see if you can identify it. Now, what's the name of that number? Its name is Mud. It used to be Souvenir.
4: <laughs>
1: it's still Souvenir. Now, I'll give you one more chance. To oh, boss! Horse. Fine, what do you want, Rochester? Look what time it is. got to get over to that concert. That's right, it's getting late. Did you bring my blue serge suit? Yes. Wait a minute, that's my green suit. It was blue
2: when you bought
1: it. Well, it's too late to change it now. Come on, Oscar. Let's walk over to Carnegie Hall.
2: Yep. the
1: last mile. Oh, don't be so pessimistic. Play, Lyman.
4: Come on. (laughs)
1: Program of the new Grape-Nut Flake series, and I want to thank Oscar Levant for appearing here tonight, and also Joe Besser, one of the stars of the Olson and Johnson hit Sons of Fun. Next Sunday night, folks, we'll be broadcasting from Fort Meade, Maryland, and tomorrow we'll be seeing you boys of the Coast Guard at Manhattan Beach, with my whole gang, with my whole gang, including Danny Kaye, the star of Let's Face It. Good night, folks.
0: listening to WSHDLP eSport. We just heard a 1943 episode of the Jack Benny Show. We remind you that WSHDLP eSport is a non-commercial station and does not endorse any products. Now, stay tuned for a 1950 episode of Dimension X and the title is Knock
8: Adventures in Time and Space. Told in Future Tense. Dimension. Can you predict the future? Can you tell what will happen in a hundred years? Or in ten? Or in the next minute? Can you look beyond the known dimensions of time and space into the unknown, Dimension X? Tonight we have a strange story to tell, a sweet, blood-curdling little story that is really only two sentences long. The last man on Earth sat alone in a room. There was a knock on the door. think it over. Suppose you were the last man alive on earth, in the universe for that matter. The last man sitting alone in a room and suddenly there was a knock on the door. What knocked on the door? You wonder, don't you? Your mind faced with the unknown supplies something vaguely horrible. But it isn't horrible, really. You'll see. The last man on earth sat alone in a room. There was a knock on the door.
9: Hmm? What? what? Oh, what's that? Good morning, man. What? what? Who are you? You have regained consciousness. Who are you? I am a Maybe if I close my eyes, it'll go away. I will not go away, man. No, no, I, I... Guess I am awake. Who? What are you? I am a Zan. Well, what's that? Azan is intelligent life. Well, I don't... What happened? Where are you from? From planet seven in the third galaxy in the fourth quadrant. Where? It is not necessary to repeat information which is correct in the original statement. Planet seven? You mean I'm not on Earth? You are still on your planet. Well, then what are you doing here? The Zans have annexed your world. You mean you've conquered Earth? Yes, that is correct. We will now prepare your planet for habitation by the But How about the people? There is no longer any use for large numbers of lower life forms. Therefore, we have dispensed with them. Dispensed with? You mean you've... When did all this happen? Two days ago. You have been unconscious until now. You really mean I'm the last man on Earth? That is correct. Identify yourself now. Uh, What? Kindly provide data as to your position in the elementary social order of your planet. Oh, oh, uh... Well, I'm Walter Phelan, associate professor of anthropology at Nathan University. How is it you speak English? We have deciphered your written and recorded records. It is not difficult to reconstruct your language. Very type of auditory communication. Oh, is there anything you want to complete your natural habitat? You mean I'm a prisoner? That is correct. What will you want further in your room? Well, do I have to stay here? Yes. The rest of my life? Forever. Well, then you better bring in my books. Uh, uh, I've got to call you something. Do you, do you mind if I call you uh, George? It is immaterial. All right, then, George. You know, I, I can't really believe this. That is a characteristic of low-life form. I'm trying to take this in without going off balance completely. I will be back, Associate Professor of Anthropology. It's all right, George, just call me Walter. Very well, Walter. I will be back with your books. All right, George, I'll be seeing you around. You will not be around, Walter. You will be here.
8: Yes, the last man on Earth sat alone in the room. A rather peculiar room. he just noticed how peculiar it was. And he'd been studying out the reason for its peculiarity. His conclusion didn't horrify him, but it annoyed him. There was a knock on the door.
4: Come in.
9: Oh, hello, George. Hello, Walter. What can I do for you? Point one, you will please henceforth sit with your chair pointed the other way. I thought so. That plain wall is different from the other sides, isn't it? That is correct. It is transparent. That's what I thought. I'm in a zoo. Right? That is correct. I knew it. And if I persist in sitting with my back to it, what then? You'll kill me, I ask, hopefully? No, we will not kill you. That's too bad. George, I'll face the bars and perform for the people. I I mean, for the Zans. How many other animals do you have here in the zoo, George? Two hundred and sixteen. A male and female each of 108 kinds. Male and female of... of all the animals? There is a female of your species among the collection. Anyone I know? Never mind. It doesn't matter anyway. Well, George, you started out with point one. I suppose there's a point two kicking around somewhere. What is it? Something we do not understand. Two of the other animals sleep and do not wake. They are cold. What is wrong with them, Walter? Well, they must be dead. Dead? That means stopped. But nothing stopped them. Each was alone. Sure, they they just died. But I have told you they were alone. Nothing stopped them. George, do you mean to tell me that you don't know what natural death is? Death is when a being is killed, stopped from living. Maybe these animals just died of old age. Old age? I do not understand. George, how old are you? Your planet went around the sun about 7,000 times since I was born. What? 7,000 years? Yes, I'm still young. Now look, George, you've got something to learn about this planet you've hijacked. Here on Earth, we've, we've got somebody that's a stranger where you come from. Down here, our people and animals live until the Grim Reaper stops them. This uh, Grim Reaper stopped the two animals? That's right. He will stop more? Oh, he gets us all, George. This is a new factor we have not considered. But you can consider it. Because when the grim reaper gets through, there won't be very much left of your zoo. You mean he will stop more animals soon? With your lifespan, it won't seem like a minute, and we'll all be gone. Oh, it looks like you made a mistake, George. I don't think there's very much you can do about it. That is not correct. The Zahn is a logical being. We will take action. (laughs) taking me, George. We will be there shortly. You mean, uh, it's moving day. That is correct. We are here now. You will live here now, Walter. It is a larger room. Well, be it ever so humble. Go inside. Uh, be careful with those books, George. Don't, don't lose... Excuse me.
10: Who are you? What are you doing here?
9: Well, I guess George didn't explain. George... Tries to be polite, but he hasn't quite caught on yet. I'm Walter Phelan.
10: My name is Grace Evans, Mr. Phelan. What is all this about? Why did they bring me here?
9: I think I know why. Why? You see, I, I, I've been talking to George. George? Well, that's what I call them, all of them. There's no way to tell them apart anyway. There aren't many of them here yet. They come from outside the solar system, sort of... Uh, Sort of an advanced scouting party.
10: Yes, I saw their spaceship. It's as big as a mountain. Well,
9: they're moving in on us. They cleaned off the earth with some kind of vibration that destroys all sorts of animal life. They killed everybody.
10: Oh, no. I was afraid.
9: Well, the cheerful notice that you and I and 200-odd other animals were picked up beforehand as specimens for the zoo. You know that this is a zoo, don't you?
10: Yes. I suspected it. But I don't remember anything about being captured. I just woke up here.
9: Well, they solved a lot of problems for us. Housing, shortages, wars. I don't suppose the human race, you and I, that is, have to worry about anything now.
10: It's awful.
9: Only they made one mistake. They overestimated us.
10: I don't understand.
9: They thought we were immortal.
10: That we were what?
9: Immortal, like they are. Oh, they can, they can be killed. But the Zans don't know what natural death is. They didn't know anyway until they lost two of us yesterday. You
10: mean there are more than two of us?
9: No, no, no more of our species. These, these, these were merely brother animals. A rabbit and a canary. And by the Zans' way of figuring time, the rest of us are only good for a few minutes apiece anyway. That's well, a joke on them. They figured they had permanent specimens here in their zoo.
10: But didn't they know that we'd all die eventually?
9: No, I don't think so. See, George told me he was 7,000 years old and he's supposed to be young. When they learned how quickly we die, well, they were probably shocked to the core, if they have cause. How
10: can you talk that way about it?
9: Academic detachment, I learned it at faculty tees. At any rate, they've decided to reorganize their zoo, two by two. Oh. Sure, they figure we'll last longer collectively, if not individually.
10: But if they think—that is, if you think—for one minute,
9: no, no, don't, don't, don't worry. I don't.
10: But are they going to keep us locked up together in this one little room?
9: I'm afraid so. It's horrible. I agree with you perfectly, my dear. But all personal considerations aside, the least favor we can do the human race is to let it end with us. I don't see much point in continuing it just for an exhibition in a zoo.
10: How can you just sit here and and lecture?
9: Habit, habit.
10: But we've got to do something. Why? I don't know. It, it just seems we owe it to the human race to do something.
9: You got a suggestion?
10: There must be some way. They can be killed, you said.
9: I think that anything that would kill one of us would kill one of them. You see, I, I, I figured it out, I think. George cut his... Well, I suppose you'd call it his hand when he brought in my books. It started to bleed. Red blood. But I could see the cut closing just as he stood there. And by the time he left, it was healed.
10: don't understand.
9: Don't you see? Whatever factor there is in man that makes him grow old is missing in the Zahn. They just go on and on and on until... Well, until they're stopped.
10: Yes. But suppose we killed one. There must be some way.
9: Well, but what would be the use? They wouldn't even punish us. They just give us our food through a trap door and put a sign out saying, Beware of the man. Dangerous.
10: I don't think they'd have to bother in your case.
9: <laughs>
10: I don't see anything funny.
9: I'm sorry. Just reminds me of Martha. Martha? My wife. She died two years ago.
10: I'm sorry. Oh, ah, not
9: at all. Oh, that'll be George with my books. Come in. Hello, George. Hello, Walter. Point one, I have brought your books. Point one, hmm? Well, what else is on your mind? Point two, another creature sleeps and will not wake. A small feathered one called a duck. It happens, George. I warned you. Old man, death, the grim reaper. I told you all about him. Walter, the council of Zahn has met. It has been decided logically that the only intelligent life to escape the vibration is you. Therefore, the logical conclusion is you are stopping these animals by some means unknown to us. George, you're off your trolley. You will tell me now how this is done. Are you boys are afraid you're going to lose the whole zoo? It is necessary to save the remaining specimens as long as possible. If we do not get information, we may be forced to dispense with your species entirely. Now, wait a minute. This means you, Walter, and the female. Now, wait a minute, George. Don't go off half-cocked. Let me take a look at these animals that won't wake up. I will take you there now. Go first, Walter. After you, my dear George. This is the weasel You should have got him in the winter, George The fur's worth more then Then it's an ermine This is the reptile cage
2: Here are the ducks
9: This is the male The female has been stopped <laughs> Lucky girl
2: What's the matter,
9: fella? You lonely down there? Walter, you will tell me how you stopped the female duck. You got me, George. I didn't do it. Maybe she died of the Dutch elm blight. Walter, you are not being logical. We have concluded you are stopping these animals. Tell us how it is done. I told you, George, I haven't the foggiest notion. Very well. We will have to take further action. Well, what are you going to do, George? We have methods of action you will know soon. We will go back now to your room. <laughs> call me Walter. After all, George does, and we have more in common. Oh,
10: please, what happened?
9: Just a duck, a dead duck. George thinks I killed her by remote control. He thinks I'm holding out on him.
10: Good. What? Well, at least we can get back at them. At least we can do something to them. Why?
9: After all, George isn't a bad fellow. If you like an aunt... Mentality.
10: How can you say that? They've wiped out the whole human race. They've murdered everybody. I
9: suppose they have, but we can't change that now, so why think about it?
10: Well, we can't just sit here and do nothing.
9: I fail to see how we can do anything else.
10: Oh, of all the men in the world they had to pick, don't you want to fight back? Don't you want to keep on fighting until the end?
9: It hadn't occurred
10: to me. But we've got to, Walter. Why? Well, I, 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 I can't really explain, but... Walter, if there was any good in man at all, it was that he kept on struggling against nature and in the end, even against himself. But at least he he kept on fighting for what he thought was right and, and we're all that's left. Walter, we just can't... Can't end it by, by giving up. We've got to keep on fighting. You know,
9: you do remind me of Martha.
10: Oh, look, there isn't much left for us, but we could beat them in this one small thing. We can pretend that there's a secret about death, and we could refuse to tell them anything.
9: But there isn't anything to
10: tell. Well, they don't know that. Promise me you won't give in.
9: I suppose the worst they can do is to kill us. Oh, Walter. All right, Miss Evans. Hello, George. Hello, Walter. Now, you will tell us how these animals are stopped? George, this may come as a great shock to you, but I've decided not to tell you. Why? Well, call it a romantic attachment to lost causes. My grandfather was a Confederate officer. Walter, you are not being logical, but that is expected in lower life forms. You will come with me now, Walter.
10: Where are you taking him?
9: To the second level. Come now, Walter. You won't tell them. I can't guarantee anything, but as of now, I don't intend to.
10: We've got to fight. Remember that, Walter. We've got to go out fighting. I
9: think you're right. Come now, Walter. Goodbye. It's been a pleasure, Sevens. I am waiting. Come now, Walter. After you, my dear George. <laughs> You will tell us now, Walter. That was the first level of vibration. There are many more. However, we have calculated that none of them exceed your threshold of unconsciousness. Oh, very clever, George. Of course. You will tell us now, how do you stop these animals? You will tell us now? As of now, no. However, I'm not very brave if that encourages you, George. You are not being logical, Walter. You're telling me. We will now use vibration level two. You will tell us now? You know, George, I can't figure it out myself, but I'm stubborn. Maybe it has something to do about the dignity of man, the civilization such as it was that you wiped out. I do not understand. I didn't think you would. So go ahead. Vibrate. Vibration level two. It will be very painful, Walter. Walter. Walter, you are still conscious. Let me alone, George. You will tell us now. You will tell us how you stopped the animals. Let me alone. Let me alone. We have had vibration levels one through ten. There are still fifteen more before your threshold of unconsciousness. Oh, no. Let me alone. Walter, listen to me. Another creature sleeps and will not wake. We must know now. That's tough. You better start vibrating again, George. No. What? It would not be logical. We have calculated that no further level of vibration will overcome your irrational psychological block. We conclude you will not tell. You mean you're going to let me go? That is correct. That's real nice of you, George. I I appreciate it. We have calculated that the resistance of the female of your species will be lower. We will now place her under the vibrations. Oh, no, no, George. You can't do that. Why not, Walter? It is the logical plan. No, no, no. She couldn't take it. Yes, that is what we expect. Therefore, we will go and bring the woman here. No, now listen to me, George. There is no secret. Do you understand that? There's no secret. Those animals died from natural causes. And I'm telling you the truth. That is not a logical answer. We will get the woman. Well, I've told you the truth. Can't you understand? We must know now. The female animal caged next to the duck has been stopped. We must preserve the survivor. The animal next to the duck? We will bring the woman here. She will tell us after the vibration. No, no, listen, George. George, do you want... You want the truth? You want to know how to save the mates of the animals that have been stopped? You will tell us now? Yes, yes, I'll tell you. Take me to that stopped animal, and I'll tell you how to save its mate. Very well, Walter. You are being logical now. We will go.
10: Walter, are you all right? just,
9: just... Just let me catch my breath a
10: minute. What happened?
9: After a while, I told them what they wanted to know. You didn't? Sure, as George pointed out, it seemed to be the logical thing at the time. You gave up? I suppose you can call it that. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm buried. Yes. Uh, something might turn up, Martha.
10: But, but they've beaten us completely, then. There isn't anything we can do after the human race. And we give up. We don't even die fighting. Uh, You call me?
9: Hmm? I must have said Martha. Uh, I'm sorry. The council of Vazan has met. Something wrong? Uh, She she was my wife. She died two years ago. What were you saying?
10: Nothing. Nothing. It doesn't matter. It's too late. Too late. The whole... Uh,
9: What now, George? Zahn has been stopped.
10: What? Zahn is dead?
9: That is correct. You didn't believe me, George. But you can die. You can really die. You'll have to get used to that if you're going to stay here. The council has decided. A, you have in some way stopped this Zahn. B, you and the woman must be eliminated. You got it wrong, George. I didn't stop that Zahn. It's just death. It gets all of us here. You will be eliminated now. But, George, it won't do any good to kill us. It won't save you. Everything that lives on earth must die. That is not logical. But it's true. The council has decided. This time, you will have the full vibration.
10: This time? Walter, what did they do to you?
9: They have a rather effective third degree.
10: They tortured you, Walter?
9: Yes, yes.
10: And I... Walter, it was all my fault.
9: I wouldn't even have tried without you. I suppose we have a last chance now to end with some dignity.
10: I think you're a very brave man.
9: There isn't much else to do. Do we go now, George? Now, Walter. Wait. What's that? I have been told another Zahn has died. Now? Now will you believe me? The council of the Zahn meets now. Two gone already, and you were with me, George. You know I didn't kill this one. What stopped him then? I told you it's old man death. You came to the wrong planet, George. Your immortality doesn't go down here. He can stop you, but you can't stop him. And you'll all die if you stick around. And now what? The council has decided this is a place of death. We will leave your planet. Leave? You mean you're giving up? It is not safe for the Zan.
10: What? They're leaving. They're really going.
9: Go on then, George, and don't hurry back. It would not be logical to do so. We are leaving the Earth now. Goodbye, Walter. Goodbye, George. Well, they're all aboard now.
10: Oh, it's so wonderful to feel the wind. The sun
9: again. Close the hatches.
10: Walter, is it safe for us to be out here?
9: Sure, they're not interested in us any longer. They only want to get away. And I want to see this, Grace, the Zahn leaving Earth forever. Now they're blasting off.
10: There they go.
9: Yes, it's over now. Well, I suppose we... Might as well go back in.
10: I still don't understand, Walter. What made them go?
9: Oh, I, uh, just told them the facts of
10: life. Of death, you mean? No,
9: no. Oh, of life. After all, I thought George was old enough to know at 7,000 years he was getting to be a pretty big
10: boy. I wish you'd stop joking and tell me what happened.
9: Uh, look out for the steps. Well... Do you remember when the first animals died?
10: Yes, the rabbit and the canary.
9: Mm-hmm, and their mates just started to pine and waste away? Yes. Well, that worried the on. They wanted to keep the last specimens alive if they could. So finally I broke down and told them about affection.
10: Affection? Mm-hmm.
9: And then I, I introduced Donald.
10: Donald? Who's that? Here we are. Oh. Come here.
9: Grace, I want you to meet Donald. Oh,
10: Walter, please. What does affection have to do with it?
9: That's what the Zahn wanted to know. I told him it was love that made the world go round, that having lost his mate, Donald would die immediately unless he had affection and constant petting.
10: Petting? Mm -hmm.
9: I even showed him how.
2: Come here, fella. Come here. Come here.
9: Yes, I held Donald in my arms and petted him a while, and then then I let the Zahn take over with the animal in the next cage. What animal? Take a look.
10: Hey, watch out, don't go close. It's a rattlesnake.
9: Yes, it's a rattlesnake. The Zahn's metabolism made it impossible for them to die of old age, but I had a hunch they could be poisoned.
10: Then it was the snake that killed the two Zahn. They
9: never even knew what bit them.
10: Then you outwitted them, Walter. I suppose. And I thought you'd just given up. Oh, Walter, I'm so proud of you.
9: You don't have to be. I had given up. I probably wouldn't afford it all if you hadn't pushed me.
10: Uh. Well.
9: Well. We've got a world to plan. A whole new world, Grace. I know. We'll have to decide which animals to... Let out of the zoo, which ones would be safer to keep in. But first, there's a much bigger problem. What's that? The human race. Oh. Yeah, we've got to make a decision about that. It's a pretty important one.
10: Uh, Yes, Uh, but... It hasn't
9: been a bad race. Of course, it may go backward for a while until it gets its breath, but... Well, we can save the books and all the most important things and get it started ahead once more.
10: Please, Walter.
9: It's, it's the Garden of Eden.
10: Oh, don't all be All ridic- over again. Don't be ridiculous, Walter.
9: <laughs> Funny. Even blush like Martha. O- o- only you're stronger than she was. And prettier, too.
10: I wish you'd forget about Martha.
9: I think I will, my dear, if you'll only give me a little time. Now,
10: Walter and, you listen to me. If you think for one minute that, that we...
9: I, I, I thought it would never happen to me again. But it is love that makes the world go round. And so, Grace, if you could only...
10: I wouldn't marry you if you were the last man on earth.
9: But that's exactly what I am.
10: I don't care. I don't even want to talk about it. I'm going out.
9: Well, all right, my dear, but, but think it over and, and please come back.
8: You see, I told you. It wasn't really so horrible, our story. Remember how it goes. The last man on earth sat alone in the room. And then, there was a knock on the door.
9: Come in. Oh, come in. Come in. My dear... You see,
8: it wasn't horrible at all.
9: You have just heard the Frederick Brown story entitled Knock, an adventure in time, space, and the unknown world of the future, the world of... Dimension
0: X, 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 X. You are listening to WSHDLP Eastport. We have just heard a 1950 episode of Dimension X, 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 X entitled "Knock." Thank you, dear friends. This concludes today's show. On behalf of Round the World staff of researchers, recording engineers, interns, and Victrola technicians, this is Cracklin' Jane. Thank you and see you next week.